This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast, which focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Pob, and this is episode number 100. Uh, it's going to be a great episode. We're going to talk LVO stuff, meta-analysis, have a lot of important stats for you guys. We're also going to have a special episode 100 giveaway. I figured now that I have more episodes than Jay-Z has problems, it is time to celebrate. So, I'm going to be giving away one Forge World Sanguinous model next month, right after the LVO. Now, keep in mind, guys, I don't actually physically have the model in hand. I'm not a magician. However, as soon as it becomes available, I will try to purchase it and, if possible, get my hands on the exclusive model that will either be at Forge World or even if I have to fly all the way down to the Forge World Weekender in, in the UK, I will get that model for you. And it will be, and it will be the model. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out details how to win that awesome Sanguinous model. Jeff, did you see that model? What, what did you think? What were your impressions? I well, I hate to be the Debbie Down. I don't actually like <laughs> it that much, to be honest. Uh, oh, I don't really like the Primark Forge World models in general, but I find that when I see <laughs> them in person, I like them more. So. I'm oh, sure fair. the model's even better in person, but at least for me, looking at it in the picture they had, I didn't like it. Fair enough. I don't like dynamic pose models that much, though, and all of those are really dynamic. Mm. I I don't like the wings on him. I think the rest of it is pretty solid, but the wings feel a little weirdly posed, given how he's standing. <laughs> well, if you are interested in winning this weirdly posed, overly detailed <laughs> Forge World model, <laughs> listen to the end of the episode find out more details about that i'm sure at least some of you guys would just like to have a cool model you can also sell it flip it i don't care i'm just gonna give it to one of you guys because you guys are the best listeners ever also i've got mr jeff in control robinson and sean abuse puppy on the chat with us hello hey hey before we begin i do have some quick announcements first off episode number 10 in the finest hour is up it's hordes versus elites Check it out on FrontlineGaming.org, especially if you just watch that awesome CanCon coverage, and <laughs> so you can really see what a Horde meta looks like, because I do no think kidding. a Horde meta exists. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, the CanCon results are in. Congratulations to Mr. Eric for going 8-0 with 180 Termagants in a Tyranid list. It, it was probably one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen 
covering 40k tournaments. He he not only did he go 8-0 through 8 rounds in 3 days, he also beat 3 out of the top 5 players at one point in the mm-hmm. final round uh and just absolutely crushed them. The only game that didn't go to time was the final game and he had 180 gaunts and he's also moving them around meticulously, you know, making every movement count. So uh it was just it was a phenomenal performance. Um kudos to him. And unfortunately, he can't make the Las Vegas Open, or, or we would see maybe some of that gaunt action at the LVO. Yeah, uh, watching him move models was just incredible with how fast he could do it. He was a real champ. Yeah, it, it was it was crazy. Jeff, did you catch any of that coverage? No, I did not. Uh, it it was it's you can check it out at downunderpairings dot twitch twitch dot tv slash downunderpairings something like that. Just I'm go to sad I didn't see almost two hundred termagants moving around the board every single round. That, that sounds super. <laughs> that sounds really cool, man. You know what was really cool about it? Yeah. was the shout casting. We had three different, four different shout, chapter tactics hosts. I think everyone but Jeff came hmm. on at one point. At one point or another, yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of fun, guys. A lot of fun commentating. Yeah, Jeff, you're right. It gets it gets kind of boring, which is why you need six shoutcasters on at one point to talk about literally <laughs> anything crazy. else. Uh, final announcement. This is going to be the last chapter tactics episode of the ITC season, or, or the last official episode of the ITC season. Uh, the next episode is going to air on the 18th of Monday, which is going to be the week after the Monday after the LVO. Uh, it's going to be on President's Day. There's going to be Wait, two- is it, Pablo? The 18th of Monday, the Monday after the week of the Monday of the LVO? Is that what you said? Something like that. You know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm already... People know. They know where it is. I'm already in that LVO funk. The, I can tell you've been around Reese a lot because you've already cited it twice as to why you're not doing things correctly. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> there will be, however, Jeff, two bonus episodes. One of the CanCon coverage with Mr. Val, the CanCon guy, and myself. We're going to talk about CanCon and all the cool stats that they pulled from down to pairings. And then I'm also going to have a special bonus LVO roundup show uh, that'll probably happen sometime after the LVO. It, it won't be an official episode. It'll probably be very fast and loose, uh, just like Jeff's shoutcasting. Hmm. So it'll be a lot of fun. Stay, stay tuned for that. Now. Onto the main topic. The Las Vegas Open is coming, boys. We've waited a full year. What are we excited about to talk about? Oh, just man. In general? Yeah. yeah. What What are some things that we just we just cannot wait to see? What are some things that you, you guys personally are excited for coming up in the Las Vegas Open? Uh, for me, it's just the spectacle of it. And I know that sounds really weird and open, but I guess the way I would clarify that is, you know, last year we famously had the Tony Grappando drama and Alexander Fennel. Um, no need to rehash that in detail, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is the reason that that kind of drama does happen for me is because how big of a deal this is and how, how it's just elevating and escalating in every way. And this tournament's bigger than that one. The streaming is more live. We have Nick Nanavati like basically turning himself into a professional Warhammer person. We have more podcasts and better coverage. We have a more flushed out eighth edition with just about every codex available. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's just elevated to places that I'm really excited about, not necessarily because it's going to generate drama, but because it just means that much to more people. So I cannot wait to have a front row seat at seeing some people really kind of dive into that. Jeff, I yeah. know you're a professional, but how do you stream more live? More live? What do you mean? What's what you said? The, the Oh, hang on. Pablo, you're trying to be silly. I'm going to embrace this moment. <laughs> I think this is, we need to encourage this a little bit more. So... 
I might have misspoke, but what I was trying to clarify, or, or trying to say rather, is there's more people streaming Warhammer now than there was last year. And there is each year, and there's more just people interested in consuming that content live. So I'm, I'm excited um, to have new and old fresh eyes on this content. I think it's all elevating. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so Peter and, and a lot of the CanCon guys talked about this. There's kind of a live... 40k streaming arms race mm -hmm. uh where you know jeff alluded to there's a lot more people streaming and i think we're going to see a lot of this at at the lvo and i'm just going to throw this out there i think it's probably going to be hands down some of the best coverage that people are going to see period mm -hmm. i hope so we've been missing that right like bcp stepped it up and that's been nice um but you know i i, I like warhammer journalism i like articles and i like coverage on on lists so hopefully more of that comes yeah sean yeah. Uh, for me, going to LVO and kind of the, the whole joy of a lot of it is getting to meet all those people you hear about. Like, I am in not exactly a backwater, but not like real close to a lot of the, the big Warhammer players. Uh, and getting to see all these guys who are really big names, who make these huge performances at ETC and Nova and stuff like that is always really cool for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, I love getting to meet all those people and even all the people who are just players of the game like it's always great to meet all those new people and talk to them and i think that's a, a huge thing for anyone who goes to tournaments yeah so one of the other cool things i really like about the las vegas open is something that kind of reared last year and that was you know the mark merrill and alex fennel charity you know extravaganza that mm. that came from the las vegas open uh, if you guys watch that stream when alex fennel was presented the the uh I, I I guess the check or award money for the children's hospital donation it was a very cool thing. Uh, and this year, Mark Merrill and Alex Fennell are actually going to play on Thursday before the game event. It's going to be live streamed uh, at at the LVO, and you guys will be able to go there and watch it and check it out on top of watching it live. And and I'm actually kind of excited to see more of that. Uh, you know, hmm. maybe maybe Jeff, you know, saves a puppy. And then the following LVO, we have a puppy bowl where we dress the puppies up as grots and space mm -hmm. marines, and then they duke it out on a giant, you know, stage or I don't know, whatever, whatever you guys can think of. Uh, the point is, is I think those kind of little things also legitimize the game and legitimize our tournaments to the point that anything is possible, and it's really, really cool. Yeah, well, like Jeff had said, like, as the game grows and becomes part of the sort of the wider gaming community, uh, because we're fairly small by a lot of standards, even though Warhammer has some sort of uh, reach with its lore and participation, it's the community is actually very small compared to many games. Yeah. But as we start integrating with the esports community and many of the other, the tabletop gaming communities, the card gaming communities and stuff, uh, that only helps everyone. Yeah. So, moving beyond the the spectacle, uh, what what are some kind of first impressions you guys have uh, of the meta, and uh, what are some kind of expectations you think you have, and also do you think other people are kind of going into the LVL with? I kind of hmm. want to see how dominant the Castellan still is because I kind of have, I have a hunch that it remains a big bulldog standing on top of a pile of bones. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of lists that had a Castellan painted up for commission or they were taking longer than usual or they're traveling in because LVO is their big tournament of the year and they want to take a list that they think they'll do very well at. And I feel like a lot of people are going to anchor around that Castellan. 
And even with the dense terrain at LVO, I think it's still going to be a menace for a lot of people. Just tanks or some of these other things. That's a pretty mm-hmm. darn good list. It's just going to do very well. So I, yeah. I, I, I want to see how prevalent that is. Because I could also see myself being completely wrong. And everyone like does the same bluff where they're like, because the Castellan will be so popular, I don't want to play that game of chicken where they go first and you know some gets through my 3++ plus plus and then I'm in trouble. So I don't take the Castellan. So maybe I'm completely wrong. But I kind of have a hunch that at every other table... This will be the new triple riptide. That's a reference that like <laughs> two guys' kids got, I guess, in our podcast. But um, well, not even their kids. No, it'd be their dads. Anyways, <laughs> I think that'll be very common. Um, but I also think, and a lot of people are trying to poo-poo this a little bit. But I think there will be a lot of horde, and I think as such, I'm interested to see the impact of the time, the timed rounds, the clock, which is something that they've talked about many moons ago, and since then, a lot of tournaments have instituted clocks. Pretty drama-free, by the way. It has not been that big of a deal. But add in that extra special energy of the LVO and how important it is, and the mixture of people that are still pretty good, but maybe haven't played with clocks, then I think we're going to have a little bit of drama. We're going to have some trouble. We're going to have a guy with like 300 orcs, and he's going to be like, what do you mean i got to finish in three hours? (laughs) Yeah. I think time is going to be a press on a lot of people, and they're going to underestimate how important it is. Uh, we talked about this some on stream at CanCon, but time management is a real skill. It's something you have to practice. It's something you have to get good at. And especially when more and more players are bringing more and more models, because like some armies yeah. aren't hordes exactly, but are like drifting into that. It's like, well, I only have 100 guardsmen or 120 guardsmen. It's like, well, that's yeah. a lot of guys. Um I'm also kind of on board with Jeff's uh, assessment of the Castellan. Whether or not it makes top tables, there are still going to be Castellans out there, and the Castellan still just invalidates a lot of lists. Um, there's definitely some lists I've seen people posting of, like, this is what I'm bringing to LVO. It's kind of like, well, how do you kill a Castellan? It's like, well, I hope I go first. And yeah. It's like, mm, that's not good enough. Um, so the Costellan absolutely is still going to be, if nothing else, a bully. And honestly, I feel it is still going to be a major force in the meta that you're going to still see it taking top slots at a number of tournaments. Maybe not LVO. That's really a roll of the dice, but it's definitely going to be there. Yeah. And there are some really, really great players who are bringing Costellan and guard, uh, you know, Brandon Grant comes to mind. Yep. Uh, Tony Kobach is going to the LVO. I don't know if he'll be running the list that made him famous. Actually, he made famous uh, back in the summer. Uh, I don't know if he'll be running that list, but uh, you know, I, I would put money on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, the Castellan list is the top dog still. It's got the highest winning percentage. It's probably the most common list that you will see. It has definitely the most common detachment combination in guard and knights. Uh, yeah. So you know, I. I think you guys are both right on that. Uh, now, I, I have a question for both of you about the chess clocks. So Jeff mentioned that that there were a lot of chess clocks and chess yeah. clock rules implemented over the year, uh, and there hadn't been a lot of drama around it. And I agree. there I haven't seen any crazy drama around chess clocks. There's certainly been drama about other things, but not chess clocks, uh, though people are still hesitant or contentious about the idea of chess clocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that, that I've noticed is there aren't as the chess clock rules aren't as polished as for say the ITC mission rules, uh, which people use constantly a lot more than people use chess clocks uh, or you know FAQs and et cetera, et cetera. Do you think there's still some? Do you think there's some uh, room for major error to cause drama in chess clocks at the LVO, or do you think that's just not going to happen? So I'll 
I won't name names, but I'll get a little bit of insight. We were actually kind of talking about this in our ETC team chat. The mm-hmm. rules are a little bit open. So mm-hmm. specifically, it says if if both players are below 10 minutes, the game ends. Uh, and one way to game that, <laughs> I almost shouldn't even say this on this podcast, but I guess if you use this, you're, you're a douchebag. Um, you could be winning, right? And you have you have 12 minutes to go on your clock and the other guy has nine. And you yeah. can just sit there for three minutes. Mm-hmm. And the game ends, and then you win. We we that that specific almost exactly that situation, in fact, came up in the final game of CanCon, um, where the Tyranid player was ahead on points and had like fifteen minutes to nine, and it was pointed out that he could just twiddle his thumbs for six minutes on his own clock and end the game and win. He didn't. He he played it out like a gentleman, which I think was the right thing to do. But that yeah. is legal. Um, there are lots of things that are legal, but kind of crappy to do to your opponent and that's but where the drama be comes aware. in right? yeah it'll be streamed it's going to be on our stream and to sean's point he's exactly right the gentleman the thing is just to play it out go for it right but if it's the finals of the lvo i could yeah i can name a <laughs> i can name 30 <laughs> players it'll be like nope and they'll start like going around texting like this is great i just won hey wow <laughs> and and oh. it's going to be a major controversy if it remains that way yeah right now now, on the flip side, uh, if you are someone who is worried about this or worried about losing such a fashion, uh, try not to let you know. Try not to let the game go down to ten minutes apiece with two more turns left. Uh, if you're sitting at thirteen, fourteen minutes, and you know that you need more time to go to turn six to win, maybe you're playing ground control and you need you need a little more. You need the game to go a little longer to win ground control or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I would consider just ending your turns early uh you could just end turns early let your opponent clock out uh and then ha- take your final turns while your opponent clocks out uh instead on the vice versa you know so just just be mindful of the clock um but if yeah. that situation does arise which I, which it might arise um you know with or without jeff saying it jeff's not the boogeyman he didn't cause this if it does happen so don't don't crucify him if it happens <laughs> at the top table uh but just keep in mind just you know there's a lot of things like that and you know, nothing could go wrong too, as well. You know, if this they tried to crucify me, about. Pablo. I would flex my way off the cross, and then Ooh. I would fly over the battlefield. I've seen that comic. Really, yeah. I I thought Bar- Barrison would would jump down from a mighty rock and yeah. roar and shatter the crucifix behind you, and then you and him would grow long golden locks and fly off into the sunset. Well, I'm not limiting myself. That's an option as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. There's a lot of people who are going to be attending the Las Vegas Open for the first time. Uh, I remember four years ago, a uh, bright-eyed young lad named Pablo Martinez got absolutely smashed by the number one Chaos Demon and Eldar player at the Las Vegas Open in his first tournament. What are some tips that you guys have for people who are going to the Las Vegas Open for the first time? Or maybe this is their first big 40k event. Um, Go ahead, Sean. I think there's a couple things to keep in mind. Number one is that just because you lose one game or even two games or even three games doesn't mean you're like out of the tournament. There's a lot of really good players going to this tournament, but there's also a lot of guys who are just going there to have a time. And the rounds are going to sort people into approximately where they should be playing at. So if you feel like, oh, I'm just not a very good player and you lose two rounds, well, chances are whoever you're playing that third round is going to be in the same kind of place you are. Um, mm. Give it a little bit of time, have a little patience. Bad games aren't, they're going to happen, but you're going to have more good games than bad games. 
And also, like, LVO is an immensely stressful experience for all kinds of people. Um, there are lots of people in this hobby who have various uh, anxiety disorders or mental issues that they cope with. Take whatever you need to have a good time. If you need to walk away from the table for five or ten minutes to to recenter yourself and just stop yourself from having a bad game, do it. Your opponent wants you to have a good game too. Like, that's what you're all there for. You're all there to have fun and play good games of Warhammer with a bunch of cool strangers. Make sure you do have a good time. And if you're not having a good time, figure out what you need to change to make that happen. So I, I think that's great advice. One of the only things I would really add is there's going to be a lot of stuff that's done for you. The rules packet is gigantic. Mm-hmm. Read it. There's actually going to be literature on the terrain. Read it. Yeah. Um, if you don't read it, you are non-verbally signing a contract that you're there to have a good time and you're not going to be a douche um, because, you know, you're not taking that extra step to make sure that you understand what's been set before you. But if you're going to the Las Vegas Open and your intention is to give every game your best effort and try to win, read all that stuff because there's nothing worse than thinking you understand something because in your area, at your local store, that's how they play it. But you just went to an international tournament, or at least if you don't want to call it international, you can call it just the biggest national tournament where people are coming from all different metas, different places, and they define things differently. And in the ITC, I don't want to hear some I don't want to hear some Texan or something like that show up online later and be like, in my area, ruins, that's not how we do it. And then they got really <laughs> mad and lost a game at the LVO because the other guy's like, no, no, you're you're not actually in cover because you know, you're just yeah. behind it or something like that. And you're like, that's not how Billy Billy Joe Thornton and I played it inside. Like, no, don't do that. Yeah. So that is like I'm elevating, I'm I'm elevating your experience tenfold because you will learn this. This is just traveling to war, Warhammer tournaments, but in the off chance, and there's a lot of people, not even off chance, <laughs> excuse me. There's a lot of people that travel to the LVO and this is their big trip. Read the stuff or be casual. If none of that seems to be sitting with you right, define stuff with your opponent. Talk it out. Uh, It is defined for you, but maybe the two of you are just very casual or whatever. Just don't be surprised. If you lose, make it because their list is better. They're a better general or they outsmarted you or you made a mistake. But, you know, we all make mistakes. But don't lose because you didn't understand something and and it was a gotcha moment. Because uh, if it's within your boundaries to not let that happen, do what it takes to not let that happen. Yeah. And also, to Jeff's point there, um, if there's anything you don't know about, like you're going to see a lot of weird lists, a lot of players who are bringing things you've never dealt with before, uh-huh. you may not understand, or are formatted weird ways, ask questions. Like, there like, will be Necrons there, guys. I, I don't know if yeah. like, <laughs> some of you might not think there are Necrons in the game. There's going to be Necrons at the LBO. Mm-hmm. Some people are stupid enough to still actually take notes. <laughs> I know a couple of them. Those 24 Necron players all just heavy size. Which is a funny discussion, and I do want to cite back to something Sean said, because I think it's really good advice. Ask what you don't understand, but also understand that it's not your opponent's job to, like, give up all their secrets. So if, so if later, you know, something happens and you're like, I didn't know that was going to happen... Uh, it's not their job to be like, here's everything my army can do. Some players will kind of give that to you. In fact, I think that's something I probably do a little bit too much of is I'll tell you everything that, well, almost everything that is like capable of happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the LVO, everything's escalated. So please don't take it personal. Please don't get really, you know, don't think that this guy's out to ruin. He's not peeing in your salad or something like that. And, you know, why are you <laughs> eating a salad anyways? But um, 
do what you can to inform yourself, be relaxed. And like Sean said, if you get upset about something, say, hey, man, I just need a minute. Go grab yourself a water. I think uh, Frankie and Reese might have sprung for that. So there's some free water around. And if not, then Jeff falls advertising. It's fine. I don't care. <laughs> um, or grab, you know, gra- go buy yourself a drink. And that's the other thing about the LBO too is you can buy a drink for you and your your partner. That's how I almost start all my rounds. Is say, hey, you want yeah. something? Go get a water. Come back as as he's deploying or setting up or whatever. Don't take too much time, obviously, because you want to finish your games. But start off friendly and say, hey, let's talk about the terrain. Let's talk about what, your your list, and then go from there. Yeah, just come into every game looking for a good game, and I find you almost always will get one. All I really- think that's, that's very true really really good advice about not just the lvo but tournaments in general um to focus on the larger bigger picture the las vegas open is a convention uh the hall especially where you're going to be playing 40k is actually very massive i know because i walk that hall up and down all weekend nonstop. (laughs) uh so wear really really comfortable shoes uh hydrate yourself like jeff said get get the water off your opponent the water you're going to be sweating a lot uh, there's going to be a lot of dudes moving around, moving models. Bring the glue, bring bring the stuff oh, yeah, you need glue. to transfer your yeah to transport your army. Uh, you know you don't want to carry your army in a backpack and have to unload it every time. Um, get a uh, tray. Get a tr- get yeah. a, get a you hear me? frontline gaming. We'll be selling ITC display trays uh, with the little mat if you want. You don't. Oh have to my god! Every mat. I'll tell you what. Every person I see that doesn't have a tray or something like a tray at this tournament. I'm mm-hmm. flipping your army onto the floor. You understand? <laughs> Keep it and, away from me. And and here's a big secret for those of you who are dirt poor or just too cheap to buy a tray. There's fast food places just a little ways down the hall, and you can borrow oh, a tray no. from them for the weekend. <laughs> it's not classy, but it's better than spending an hour and a half unpacking and packing every time. There's, yeah, that's that's funny. You know, the ITC trays are only like twenty bucks, guys. So it's, yeah, it, it's if that really price is that wrong, much. I'll sell them to you for twenty bucks and so face the consequences later. I think it's um, either twenty or twenty five. It's, yeah, it's affordable, is what it is. Uh, the other thing is, is if you can make sure you can show up Thursday in mm. the in the evening. Pre-reg. Um, not only yeah, pre-reg. Not only will there be a lot of cool stuff, the vendors will be open, so you'll be able to get your hands on that cool Sanguinis model early. Uh, you'll be able to see the GW. Uh, you know, event where where they show off a lot of cool stuff, and everyone asks them a bunch of really <laughs> insulting questions. Um, uh, There's going to be some sexy reveals there. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, it, it's going to be an absolute blast. Uh, you know, you get to see the Mark Merrill stream. You'll be able to hang out with us at registration, but also you'll save yourself so much hassle uh, and so much time. So when you're waltzing in there at exactly 8 a.m. Uh, before the round starts. And you've already registered. You're already good to go with BCP. You just need to go to the tables, hang out, and talk. So much less stressful than showing up there at 7.38 in the morning and having to wait in a massive line to register yeah. and then go to BCP and register with BCP. Uh, and then there might be something wrong with your list or whatever, right? So just do yourselves a favor. You can show up on Thursday. Even if it's late Thursday, we'll be there until midnight making sure everything's taken care of on Thursday. Uh, so just show up on Thursday do your due diligence there uh and then one final thing uh make sure to enjoy las vegas and the convention buy lots of food but only in the convention hall because that helps us (laughs) remember all other food outside the convention hall is poison just you know hell no buy food elsewhere as well you guys there's good food everywhere yeah if you want to buy ten there are a lot of really nice restaurants (laughs) all around las vegas like the nice thing about lvo is it gets out comparatively early uh yeah. Compared to most tournaments, which means you have like a solid six hours or more every night to just 
do whatever you want to do in Vegas. And there's so many things to see and so many things to do, even if you don't have a lot of money to spend. Just like 10 or 20 bucks is more than enough. Well. Depending <laughs> on what you're doing. I'm, I'm saying you can I'm go out sure and have a good time. I'm not sure that's what most people think is true, but yeah, yeah. I, I like your optimism, at least. <laughs> I've gone out and seen a show for like 12 bucks. Like, you there's can. There's donkeys out yeah. there on the street corner. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to see a donkey show. I'm just saying you can. Yeah. <laughs> the, so, uh, moving on to the Las Vegas Open stats and list analysis. Before we begin, just one quick note. Uh, there is a chunk of lists missing from these stats. It's about 60 or so, uh, and most of those lists are people like Jeff who are still registered for the event, but have clearly dropped and are not attending. Um, it's probably just Frankie hasn't taken them off yet, or um, they're just going to get dropped at the event. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also duplicates, et cetera, et cetera. So for the most part, I would say comfortably that this is about 90% plus of the list. So it, it's, it's about as a complete data set as we're going to get um, leading up to the event. So mm-hmm. there's that. Also special shout out to Peter, the Falcon, from 40kstats.com, who spent all weekend shoutcasting, streaming, working, because he was at work almost the whole weekend, and gathering this data for us and writing notes. Uh, Peter was a champion, and if you see him at another event, because I don't think he will be going to the Las Vegas Open, give him a big hug and buy him a beer. Mm. Yeah, Peter's done a ton of work for us, and we really appreciate it, because he's just a machine. All right, so let's go on to common lists that we're going to see. Uh, the first list up um, in the bracket uh, is going to be an Imperial Knights list. And I-, I think it's important to highlight lists like this because I've played, I've been playing three knights and I played a lot of orc matchups actually. And I feel like orcs have a really hard time against knights. Even the list similar to what Nick Nadavati is running and like the, the billion Ludas with, with the billion Grots and, you know, the billion shots, all that stuff. Uh, I feel like even then, knights have a strong matchup, and I'm sure Nadavati yeah. can still stomp a knight list with the best of them. But lists like this, I think, are are can actually you know maybe play a little bit of a spoiler. Um, so this list has two knight gallants, a knight warden, a bunch of infantry squads, and a Valhallen detachment, which I think is starting to see more popularity. Um, and then a adeptus mechanicus detachment with two with a tech priest dominus, an engine seer, a unit of nine catafron destroyers. Two Skatari Rangers and four Servitors. Um, Holy shit, he can fit all that in there? Yeah. The the Catafron Destroyers came way down in price and Nine like, they're Catafrons? fairly scary. Yeah. Is a uh, unit do they go to ten? I didn't know that. I don't know if they can go ten. I know they can do nine. Uh oh, well, okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> I not it's, it's a very that's a very Sean moment right there, but yes. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, and he's also, I believe, using the special detachment that allows him to turn his servitors into more catafrons. Oh, yeah, the servitor manipul. Yes. Oh, he has wait, servitors wait, so, in the list? Yeah, yeah. just a, a unit of four little servitor idiots that he can pop <laughs> yeah. up into cataphrons. They're um, like the Russians, right? Where if the guy dies in front of you with the gun, you just pick up his gun. Well, so to clarify, it. it's not technically—I mean, it's not technically more. You you get to heal ones that you've lost. Yes, ah. they, you you can't add to the squad, but you can restore. Oh. But servitors are dirt cheap, and the stratagems—I think it's just an auto. Like you just do it, so it's pretty yep. sick. Yeah, it's it's real solid. Uh, it's 
It's definitely a very interesting list. I am a little hesitant about knights on the LVO terrain. Uh, I think they're going to run into a lot of situations where they aren't able to shoot or assault the things they want to shoot and assault. Um, but as Pablo says, like, knights have a lot of strength to them. There's a lot of things they're just going to kind of dance into the ground. Yeah, and, and I will say it's a little bit of insider information here. I've played about 30 games so far on LVO terrain um, because we've been building a bunch of terrain and we had this league, plus I've been practicing more. Uh, most of them with three knight lists. And I will say that with the exception of some of the huge, you know, magic boxes uh, that people were worried about, knights for the most part are going to go pretty much every, anywhere they want to go. Um, and even with those big magic boxes, um, knights can get things around the one inches, so they can still get things inside as long as they as long as they're on the edges. And objectives can't go in those magic boxes. Um, so a lot of the mm. times you can kind of ignore what's in the box or avoid it if it's something like a big bad big bad war boss that's going to get your knight. Uh, so it, it, you know, it's knights are going to do well. I think just, yes. just judging from how I've seen, oh yeah, from what There's I've seen so far. There's no way we don't see some knight players going like four two five one, maybe even six zero. Um, they're just too common. There's too many good players bringing it. You've got to be ready for knights. Yeah. Oh, and and for those of you who are wondering, it's a, the three knights were House Tyrannus. Uh, you you know. The the knight book once you once you remove the castle in the knight book is a Swiss Army knife. There's there's so many different options that that book can utilize and all very good as well. Recently is actually uh, running the Knight Crusader with House Crast, which is a very interesting choice. They get some really good anti super heavy and anti heavy yeah. target stuff, uh, which can do a lot of work. Yeah, and and a big a big fad down here right here in San Diego is the uh, Knight Valiant. With the house, hmm. the house that lets you uh, heroic intervention two d six inches. Oh, okay. Um, I forgot which one that one is. Um, I don't it, remember it. It, it is but just yeah, bad. He gets the Overwatch units on his side, and then you know you get to charge two d six inches of the Valiant, which is it's nuts. Anyways, um, I, I want to talk about the second list, and, and this list is mostly for uh, Peter, and I think I think he want he was talking about lists like this. And how he was kind of surprised that he didn't see more crisis suits. Um, so this is a list mm. uh, with Tau. This is a Tau list uh, played by a really, really good Tau player. So that might be a hint right there. But it's got an HQ Kadri Fireblade, uh, one Cold Star Commander, three Strike Teams, two Farsight Marksmen. So kind of like the generic Tau Empire detachment. Mm. And that's a Sasia um, detachment. Yeah, it's a Sasia Sept. Uh, a Vanguard detachment with a Commander. Uh, I have... Sean, help me out. Dayak Di, Grek? Uh, I'm going to assume that's how it's pronounced. It's another one of the GW <laughs> nonsense words. I mean, for all uh, we know, it's pronounced Fred Flintstone, but whatever. <laughs> three three unit or uh, unit of three stealth battle suits, and then a large crisis suit bomb with six crisis suits and ten gun drones. Just dropping in there and blowing something yeah. up for 700 points. Uh, by the way, and they went, they got cheaper. Yes, and that is all of them armed with the triple ion blaster, which is just an incredible number of shots from that unit. I think it's 45 shots that are going to be hitting on threes or twos. Uh, Sean, I'm unfamiliar with the codex. What do there's two iridium battle suits? It gives them two unit? up armor. Uh, oh, one wow. guy and three can get the two up armor upgrade. Oh wow, that's actually pretty useful. Uh, and then ten more ten more tactical drones, and then finally mm -hmm. another vanguard detachment with a farsight enclave. Except, uh, actually, I should say both. The Vanguard detachments are Farsight Enclaves, uh, with three units, three stealth suits, and one Cold Star Commander. I imagine just to have a little extra shooting, uh, and then a Hazard 
support team? Single hazard suit. Yeah, you can take them as a solo model, whereas the crisis have to be in threes now. Okay. Uh, and <clears throat> this is, like I said, this is a unique Tau list. Uh, I imagine the Tau list that you will see more often than that, we'll look at the stats to validate this, validate this or not, is uh, broadsides. Uh, Riptides are kind of making an, an appearance again. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely not a lot of crisis suit bombs. Uh, no, it's it's a very interesting list. It's got a lot of drones. I think it comes out to like 40-odd drones. Um, and then it has like three units of stealth suits, the crisis, the hazard. So a lot of reserve threats. Uh, I would be worried about its onboard presence, though, because it doesn't actually leave a lot of stuff starting on the table to begin with, which means you're, you know, if you're on the bottom of the turn, your opponent has basically two full turns unhindered to sort of take control of the board and set up the game they want to be happening on three through six. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm, I'm going to skip the next two lists that we have on here, uh, just, just because the faction in general is a very hard faction to pin down, and that's uh, Dark Eldar. Uh, so these two mm. lists, uh, one is is a bunch of Rasks, racks with a Talos kind of Talos bomb with the usual three Ravagers and some Scourges, and the second list is three Crimson Hunters, uh, three Ravagers, and then a whole bunch of racks and a unit of ten Grotesques. Um, and not just three Crimson Hunters, three Crimson Hunters and two Hemlocks also. Oh yeah. And the, That's the a five-flyer wing detachment right there. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Which... Six months ago, I would have said that this is a brutal list. I had looked at things much like this. Uh, you know, we've got a grotesque bomb to hold the field, ravagers and flyers to put out a lot of firepower. But with orcs around and doing so much in the meta, I'm actually like, I wonder how this list wins because it just doesn't have the firepower to drag down 180 boys. Yeah, I, th- I think this list does a really good job at dealing with the Castellan list. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is, I think, maybe what they're what they're banking on, uh, and could be Drukari, Drukari and Eldar combined uh, make up the most amount of detachments um, in because yeah. there's 93 Eldar lists and 88 Drukari detachments, um, and they're also the third and fourth most popular detachments. So there's a lot more Dark Eldar and Eldar or this style of list. Uh, the cool thing about it is a lot of those are probably going to be mixed with Inari as well, and almost all of those Eldar lists are going to be vastly different. And I mean Eldar like the super detachment, so Dark Eldar, Harlequins, Craftworld. Right. Uh, they're, they're all very different. Uh, these are just two flavors of Dark Eldar lists that we've seen, uh, though from what we saw of the unit breakdown, Grotesques are the most common Eldar unit, or Dark Eldar unit, uh, I should say. Uh, so it's it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how Dark Elder players handle this, and I think we're probably going to see one or two Dark Elder players in the top eight for sure. I would not be shocked in the slightest. It's The Dark Elder Codex just has so many great options in it. There's a lot of really different ways you can build it. Uh, for anyone who's seen Sean Naden's list that he posted in the Comp 40k group, just completely different build, nothing like either of these armies. Okay, so Jeff, next next list is Orcs, uh, but I have a question for you before we dive into the list. I've been talking with people, we're under the impression that the Orcs are more of a gatekeeper army, um, and just looking mm. at the results, uh, there of course have been successes with Orcs, Steve Pampereen did one an event a couple a month ago, half ago, um, so Orcs have had success, but in the stats and in winning, not so much, they look more like a gatekeeper army. Uh, do you think that's not going to be the case with the LVO 
And do you think a lot of Orc players are going to smash through into the top eight? Or do you think it's going to kind of be relegated to that gatekeeper form where we have, for the most part, Orc lists underperforming uh, in rounds five and six? I think Orcs in the hands of a very good player. Like, I'm really excited to watch Nick Nanavati take them. I think they have the ability to handle just about everything that's out there. I don't think they're... I mean, there, yeah. of course, are some bad situations, but good generalmanship and good terrain, which you're going to have at the LVO, is a nice, like, fall... Not even fallback, but something at their disposal. I think Orcs have a funny thing where I think they're very, very good, but the tools that make them very good are fairly well known whereas a lot of other lists have a lot of tricky and then situations allow for this trickiness to kind of become unique almost whereas for orcs it's a little bit less that um at the Mm. middle to lower levels at the highest levels i think you can still pull off a lot of these tricks and it's mostly in the assault phase i'm talking about which is not unique to orcs per se but more of just a the art of the assault phase is something that i think divides this the, the level of players I think orcs are a gatekeeper, so to speak, in that there's going to be a lot of really good players. They're going to hit somebody that has 300 boys, Mm -hmm. and they're going to need to become a taskmaster to get enough points out of that round, or even just to get through that round, um, that it doesn't hurt their tournament too much. Now, LVO's got a lot of rounds, so it's not as big of a deal. But man, if somebody misses the top eight because they scored a couple of low points because they hit Kevin Beecham from Long Beach, California, and he's got this orc army that you would you would just die to see, and each one's named and numbered and painted <laughs> separately. And when he moves them, he's got this really cool thing that he bought online that, you know, it's six inches, but if you fold it out, it's actually 12, which, you know, and the, this round gets to round two because they're in melee in round one or, you know, or turn one or two, and it just doesn't go anywhere, and the guy gets 12 points out of it and wins 12 to seven. That could hurt. Yeah. I could hurt yeah. a lot. There's definitely going to be a lot of orc players who are underperforming due to time or whose opponents underperform due to bad time management. Um, and some of the stuff, like, there is a certain disadvantage to being so well-known. Like, everyone knows what Ludas are. Everyone is getting ready for Ludas. Um, in the same way that everyone is ready for the Castellan, but the Castellan is still really, really good, as Jeff pointed out earlier. So... They're, I think orcs are better than a gatekeeper army. I think you are going to see at least one orc and maybe several in the top eight. I would be kind of shocked if we did not. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving on to this list, this is kind of your standard orc list that you're going to see at the Las Vegas Open. Is uh, the it first, though? Uh, yeah. So, so, Peter, I, so Peter I don't and I agree were with about that. This. <laughs> Val, Val, Peter and I were talking about this. And you guys, everyone's entitled to their own opinion on this podcast. Of sure. <laughs> that is the point. So so let, let me let me explain why I think it's a standard list and also talk about the list and then you guys can just beat me down with expert analysis. Deal? Sure. Yeah, sure. of course. Okay. I'm curious. All right. So the first is an, uh, an Evil Sons Battalion uh, with that Evil Sons war boss that's absolutely devastating, can destroy knights in one combat. Uh, mm-hmm. Weird Boy, two units of 30 boys with tank buster bombs. Uh and one unit of 10 boys. Um, so kind of like the standard Evil Sons attachment I see in a lot of orc lists. Uh, the mm-hmm. next is a Bad Moons attachment with two Weird Boys, three units of Gretchen, and 15 Ludas. Uh, this is on the lower end of Ludas that, that you'll typically see at the Las Vegas Open. I will admit that. Um, usually you'll see, like I think I think the list is 22 Ludas or 25 Ludas, 
something yeah. like that. It's more than 20 Ludas, so that you combine them and, and do all those shenanigans. And then finally, a Death Skulls Brigade with three Big Mechs, two with a Big Mech on Warbike, and one Big Mech with a Shock Attack gun that I imagine has the Relic Shock Attack gun that, yep. that's kind of trending that people are taking to deal with Knights and the Castellan list. It's and then so good. <laughs> about a, br- a billion Grots, or 60, 60. Grots. Yep. Uh, two units of commandos, Mad Doc Grotznik, three Defcoptas, three mech guns, and a min brigade. There's a ton of CP, CP in this list to mm-hmm. basically get a lot of mileage out of all the things orcs do very well. Uh, you know, I, I typically see lists like this, the Bad Moons Detachment, the Evil Suns Detachment, and then the Flex Detachment, uh, where the orc player is allowed to be uh, more various and creative. Yeah, it's, I don't know, I think this is a bit surprising to me at least, because it really doesn't have that many boys in it. It's got 70, which, you know, it's not a small number, but it's not that many either. Um, So it doesn't have as much field presence as a lot of the orc lists that are bringing 90 or 120 or 180 do. Um, It also does not have as many ludas, which, you know, that's a compromise you make. There's been a bunch of argument over that. Uh, But also, most of its stuff is not Evil Sons. It's only got the one battalion of Evil Sons, so it's not getting the speed bonus on a decent number of its guys. Obviously, the 70 boys all get it, but the others do not. Uh, So I think it's going to play very differently than the orc lists you've been seeing, the sort of the generic, like, 120 boys, 60 grots, 20 ludas, etc., Jeff, yep. what do you what do you think about this? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. If I would add a whole lot to what you said. I I, I just I'm a little bit locked, and I, I'm looking forward to being proven wrong on some level because I don't think I'm all knowing about this kind of stuff. But like when I look at an orc list, I feel like there's a lot of different shades of what they have, but I don't feel like it brings that much variety, right? Like, yeah, I don't I don't look at a lot of orc lists and go, oh gosh, you have that unit. What does that even do? Like, there's some forge world vehicles and stuff. That you might have that moment, but I feel like for the most part, they're less good options. So even as they explain it to you, they just kind of shot themselves in the foot, right? Whereas right. like 7th edition orcs had a lot of weird stuff that you may have not encountered that was really powerful. Like, you know, 20 flamers coming off the back of a giant turtle or some shit like that. And that, <laughs> that was like uh, stuff that if you didn't know what was going on and, and went about it the wrong way, it could just kill you. Whereas yeah. right now, a unit of boys will come back if you don't kill it to a man. Leadership's not an issue. You're going to get shot at by a bunch of Ludas, probably twice. Um, they're all over the place. The The boogeyman that was the, the Luda is not what we thought it was. It's not destroying the meta, but it can be very good, right? Mm-hmm. Three shots hitting, getting a lot of extra shots, doing some extra damage. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Uh, range 48, that's all really good. But, you know, I, I think the Orc lists fall into a category of like, this is generally what I'm worried about. And that's a bunch of, it's the counter charge. That's the thing too, right? Like, you can charge and kill a unit of orcs, but there's probably another one that's getting flung at you in a second, and that one's going to probably wipe you out. Yeah. I I definitely, I think you really hit the nail on the head there. Uh, a lot of people pointed out that, like, an orc list basically has, like, 1,600 points of its models pretty much fixed, and then you get that three to 400 points mm-hmm. to play with your options, which doesn't really leave you a lot of room for surprises. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so the next list we're going to talk about um, is being piloted piloted by uh, a subpar oh, player. This guy. Ugh. <laughs> um, I hope Sean... I don't have to play him. I really do. <laughs> do you want to talk about this guy's Eldar list? 
Uh, well, the, the first thing to take note of is the fact that it is an Eldar list, and, I don't know, let's go ahead and spoil the joke here. This is my list, um, <laughs> the one I am bringing. Uh, we'll, we'll ruin it because it, it makes it easier to get things out of the way and leaves our listeners a little less confused. Um, so, I, I hammed and hawed over it for quite a while, but I eventually decided that I did want to bring craft worlds to try and take best of craft worlds which i have a pretty reasonable shot at uh certainly no guarantee there's a lot of really good players who are also bringing things but i want to try for it um so that being said it is probably the tightest list i have ever designed as it literally came down to a single point wow um it it spends 2,000 points on the nose and spends them 950, 950, 100 because there is no other way for the list to function. Um, so it was a real chore to find a way to spend exactly that many points in exactly the right way in those detachments. Um, but I managed to squeak that out, so I feel at least a little bit proud there. Uh, so its main detachment is a Ally Talk one. Um, Ally Talk is still fantastic, guys. It's it's really good. It makes your game against Guardsmen so much easier, and it gives you access to a couple really useful tools in the Ally Talk stratagem to keep those Rangers alive. Um, it's got a Farseer and a Spirit Seer. It's got a unit of nine Rangers and then two units of five Rangers. And then it has a unit of 10 Wraith Blades with Ghost Swords. Um, Good for you, Sean. Anyone who has seen those guys in action, they alone can win you the game against Orcs. They are intensely powerful uh, when you start suiting them up with some psychic powers and stratagems and whatnot. And uh, I am using the Wraith Host uh, Detachment. Um which is not available to Yanari. This is something that Colin and I discussed a bunch because I stole a lot of my concepts in this list from him. Uh, but I think that the ability to get the three up invuln is really big, and the plus one attack is pretty nice as well. Um, so you have this big block of ten Wraithoids, which have all kinds of stratagem and psychic power options. You have the standard Wave Serpent to hide Dark Reapers in. Uh, and then a Yanari detachment with a Warlock, Yvrain, three Insta Storm Guardians, Shining Spears, Dark Reapers. And to top it all off, there is a mixed Dark Eldar detachment with a single Homunculus and a single unit of Kabbalite Warriors, uh, which opens up that ability to do uh, Agents of Act if I need it and gives me the Vexator Mask, which is immensely powerful. Um, Forcing a unit to fight last just shuts down some things. Like, you can't charge Gene Steelers into those Wraith Blades. They just die. Um, so, I'm not saying this is necessarily the best list, but I think it has a lot of really strong tools against things like Guard and Orcs that are going to be very popular. And it has a whole lot of infantry and fast-moving units that can use the blocking terrain and LVO. So, I think it takes advantage of the environment fairly well as also. I love it. Yeah, it's a very good list. I, I would not want to play this. Why list the nine time. Rangers though? Um, because I had forty-eight or just technically fifty-six points to spend, and as I said, this list has to spend every point exactly where they are. Um, uh, it was either nine Rangers or thirteen Guardians and a Shuriken platform, and I didn't want to be spending the one command point to deep strike them every game. Um. 
I'm actually a little short. It only starts with nine command points, which I feel is much lower than I would prefer. Um, but there's just no way to get any more command points out of it. That's one of the sacrifices it had to make. Yeah, no, it's it's a very good list. Uh, I'm interested to see how the Wraith Blades look. Uh, I know a lot of people are looking to take Wraith Blades now that they've, they've the Wraith Host attachment has come out in Vigil's Defiant. Uh, and they look really good. And I think they got a points reduction as well. Uh, they didn't actually change points. Wraith Guard did, but not Wraith Blade. Oh, Wraith but they Guard were already okay. cheaper than Guard. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's actually kind of crazy. I wrote a, I wrote an article a long time back reviewing the Wraith Blades for Frontline, and I recently had to completely change that article because it just utterly upended my opinion of things. <laughs> I have to admit, when Vigilus came out, I did not think that it was going to be as relevant as it was. I was kind of like, oh yeah, it'll provide some incentives for stuff, but there's actually some stuff in there that has really changed the meta, and I was most certainly underestimating it. Yeah. Well, uh, prepare to get the Wrath of the Emperor three out of your five or six games. Yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, guard is going to be quite a matchup there, but I feel like I at least have some of the tools to handle it, although mm-hmm. whether that's going to be enough against a really good player, we'll see. So speaking of guard, uh, yeah. the next list is kind of the prototypical guard and Castellan list. Uh, so if you're wondering what exactly the guard and Castellan list is, pay very close attention. Uh, the first is a battalion, a Katashan battalion, with the Emperor's Wrath Artillery Company throwing onto it. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that's the Vigilus Defiant detachment that lets uh, one vehicle shoot twice in the shooting phase. Usually it's a Wyvern. Uh, and then another vehicle, usually a Wyvern, um, can have another stratagem that halves the movement of a unit that it hits or wounds. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. I'm I believe sure it hits. only needs to hit. Yeah. Uh, so And those are two 1CP phenomenal detachments. I think it also comes with a cool relic, but I, I'm not sure. I the think relic gives you more cover to one yeah, unit which, nearby. Which is okay. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, so one battalion, a company <laughs> commander, a primary psyker, two wyverns, and that's by far the most the most common Astro Militarum detachment at the Las Vegas Open is infantry squads, two characters, and uh, a wyvern or two in a battalion. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very common. The next one is the uh, an Emperor's Conclave Infantry Company, Katashan Brigade, uh, with th- 10 units, or I'm sorry, 6 units of 10 infantry squads, 2 company commanders, Colonel Ironhand Strachan, an Astropath, nine, or 8 Bulgrins, um, a Ministorum Priest, and 3 Armored Sentinels to round out that brigade. Uh, and mm-hmm. this, is, this is your typical guard plus uh, Bulgrin you know, guard brigade. Uh, he's only running eight Bulgren instead of the usual nine. I've been told that yeah. nine Bulgren is the best way to go, and anything less than that is meh. But considering the caliber of player who's playing this list, I, I think eight's probably just fine. Yeah, well, you got to make points, a compromise somewhere. You, not... yeah, 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 it's definitely for points. Uh, he basically took out a Bulgren for Wyverns, essentially, maybe some Mortars as well. Um, yeah. To make room for wyverns, yeah. But th- this is a brutal list uh, between Strachan, the priest, and the v- Emperor's Conclave Infantry Company. Those guards are actually hitting very, very, very hard uh, and dealing mm-hmm. with a lot of things up the middle of the board with the Bulgren. Uh, and then you've got the two wyverns, and then finally the big bat. Oh, and he's also got three three by three mortar teams as well um, to fill up the yep. heavy weapons. Um, yeah. In concurrence with the Knight Castellan and the wyverns to watch your backfield. It's an absolutely brutal list. A uh, mm-hmm. lot of bodies, you know, a, a lot of sh- yeah. good shooting, 
The castle obviously brings a lot to the table with the House Raven stratagem. Um, this is this is the list to beat, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. If you're going to the Las Vegas Open, and it poses so many issues. It's got indirect fire. It's got volume of fire. The Castellan will kill any big target. It's hard to get to the Castellan, and even if you do, it's uh, Mechanicus, so it's going to be shooting at top shelf. Yep, forever. And what? he has the Bulgrins mixing the two types of shields, so he has both a four-up invuln and two-up armor save in that unit, so he can kind of spread wounds and take saves as needed. Um, and of course, like Jeff said, you know he's got a ton of bodies, 90 guys in uh, guard squads, all hitting on fours, strength four, three attacks apiece. That'll just make a mess out of most things. If you've never seen a, a squad of orcs charge into like that 30-man guardsman yeah. squad, it ends really poorly for them. And that's the squad that survived the trek, like they got um, yeah. teleported over there or something. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, another thing about this list that you might want to take note if you've never played it against it before is the it can be surprisingly mobile uh, when it comes to scoring oh, yeah. points like recon or behind enemy lines or hold more objectives. Uh, the company commanders are little teeny tiny models that can move 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 themselves up to a maximum of twenty four inches anywhere they yeah. want to go. Uh, so there, there's definitely a lot to like about this list. If you're going to play this list, uh, my best advice would be to hold your ground. Uh, the castle's going to shoot what it shoots, uh, and then just try to hold the middle of the board. Depending yeah, on your list. Everyone, handle, everyone well, tackles I mean, this list a little differently. I like that you yeah. tried it, Pablo, but the idea of giving generic advice to all of Warhammer against that kind of list is... <laughs> That's true. I don't want to call yeah. it Mission Impossible, but it's way up there, my friend. No, I it's... tried. Yeah, this is a really hard list to handle. It just has so many tools, and like, yeah, you can try for that play, but then they have like four different ways around it. I would say the most generic advice I can give in earnest is you probably ignore the Castellan 99% of the time. Yeah. If you kill all the infantry, and Wyverns are good, but you're going to get your save against them most of the time, Uh, Mm -hmm. and they have weird variables where, yeah, it's probably 14 or 15 shots, or maybe a bit more. Uh, but it's only hitting about half that. You know, they don't want to get it too accurate. Yeah. So it's it's a very, very scary list. It can deal with everything. It has psychers in it as well, by the way. So there's smites coming <laughs> out. There's all kinds of ridiculous <laughs> shit. But I think there's going to be so many people that fall for the trap of like, everything to the Castellan into a 3++. And then you get wrapped mm-hmm. up by all that stuff. And they can operate at top shelf anyway. So yeah, unless you kill the knight. And even if you do, like Brandon Grant famously won, what was it, the BAO this last year? Losing the so knight Cal. turn one? SoCal. SoCal, yeah. there you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was in the finals of that, which is the whole reason I said everything. Right. Yeah, the knight, shooting the knight is a trap 90% of the time. Unless you can reliably just drop it, you shouldn't even bother kill all that other stuff. Because, like, you got the Bolgren, you got all these infantry, you have yeah. so much stuff to deal with. You can't be paying attention to, like, I'll chip two wounds off the knight. It is, it, in my opinion, I think if you, if you asked me to say that, like, what's close to the perfect list in Warhammer right now, this is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do think that. I yep. I was very close to switching over to a Knight Castellan plus guard list, you know, three mm-hmm. weeks before the event. But I just I was just like, no, I don't have the practice. I don't I don't I don't I don't have the reps, and I don't have the everything else I need to be ready to play this list. Uh, but it's an incredibly powerful list. It still is, even with all the changes. Yep. Yeah. And so, uh, so we don't beat this dead horse anymore. Go. To 40k frontlinegaming.org you know any of the other billions of tactics advice out there and find ways on how to beat this list uh it, it is beatable 
Um, mm-hmm. We have to spend an entire episode to talk about how to beat it. But uh, <laughs> go out there. There's, it's not all doom and gloom. It's a very beatable list. You just have to be careful about it. Moving on to this kind of interesting Gene Circle Tyranids list uh, that I saw. Um, and if you listen to previous episodes of Chapter Tactics with Jeff on it, um, we don't need to talk about how good Gene Sir Colt are going to be after the Las Vegas Open because they're going to they look amazing and they're going to be phenomenal. Um, but I do still like Gene Sir Colt how they play right now. Yes, and how they fare. They're they're actually re- a really tough army to deal with, uh, and I really like the way they play. And they play, you know, they come in in waves. They kill a lot of things. They hoard you. They're all over the board. Uh, and, and I found out that Goliaths actually don't have terrible shooting. They have auto cannons, so that was mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Um, but this list has a Tyranid Kraken detachment with the Swarm Lord, a Brood Lord, a Ripper Swarm, and two Gene Slitter Broods, 120 and 119, and then a Vigilus Defiant Anointed Strong Gene mm-hmm. Slitter Cult detachment with an Abominant, a Magus, a Primus, and three units of Neophyte Hybrids with ten Aberrants, um, w- which is very, very good. Uh, and then Finally, the really cool part of this list. Wait, what? What's up? Oh, a unit of ten aberrants. Yeah, yeah, I'm right? sorry. Oh, yeah, just one. Oh, uh, did I misspeak? Yeah, uh, one unit fine. of ten. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, three vulture gunships and an airwing astromilitarium detachment. Um, would, I know this. Not list. much to say about that. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a very interesting list. Um, I, it's I strong. Think <laughs> it, it is it is very strong. Uh, Jeff, you are the Gene Sirkult Tyranid expert. Uh-huh. What do you think? I think it's phenomenal. This is a, a list that we saw at the charity event um, yep. a few weekends past. The general that runs it's very good as well. Um, I think it's interesting we're breaking it down because I think you won't see a whole lot of this. Although if this list was ran at LVO in that event and then you gave it like a month or two, you'd see it all over the place. But of course, with the codex coming out, I think you're not going to because the gunships yeah. do so much for it. They're just so much DACA, which again, in this in this meta yeah. is going to be phenomenal. They're going to be putting down hordes of guys without punity. And then like you said, Pablo, one of the things that makes Gene Cult so fun and so powerful is they play the pace of the game very well. So mm-hmm. 10 Aberrants uh, with the Primus coming in are going to very reliably be absolutely where they want to be. And what I love about this list is that it's going to clear chafe like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. You're not relying on mortars. You're not w- relying on wyverns, which are also very good, but at the same time can have that kind of variable shooting. These gunships fly up turn one, and they're going to hose whatever it is. And it's not going to be high target uh, or high value targets, excuse me. So you're not talking about uh, an amazing target dying. You're talking about those couple units of scouts, those units of, uh, I don't know, rangers, whatever. Yeah, boys, and rangers. And it's just going to clear the way. And you're like, well, that's not that big of a deal. And then turn two happens. And all of a sudden, 10 aberrants reliably making that charge are going to be on top of you. And yeah. everyone has the same experience with them. Unless you face them, you look at them and you're like, what's their stat line? You're like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> but they're just strangely durable. And they put out, yeah. they all have picks for the most part. The sergeant probably is holding a stop sign and they will <laughs> chomp through stuff. They don't really kill a knight in one go. I mean, it can happen, but that's not really what they're there for. But they just put the hurt into whatever it is they touch. And yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you have 10 aberrants on your hands, and you have three flyers that aren't the easiest to kill. And then behind that, there's almost 40 gene seers that are probably also on top of you. So this is a turn yeah. to get on top of you and kill you. And I love I love the mixture of... In my gene circle list, I found a lot of success if you mix toughness in there. If you're all horde, you can get a bad matchup where someone's just like, I just really like the Storm Raven model. So I have three of them with Gilliman. And you're like... <laughs> and you're just going to get you know, <laughs> blown away. 
But this has a Swarm Lord in it. This has three flyers that, again, are kind of hard to kill. Gene Sears mm-hmm. can obnoxiously make five up invuls. Um, and I love it. It's a, it's a very good list. It, yes. it definitely is. And Jeff's point about, like, the vultures come in, clear out of your stupid little chaff units that you're screening with, and then those aberrants pounce on whatever is most important in your army. That's really hard to stop. There's not yes. a lot of armies that can do that. And, you know, you might be thinking, well, I have an anti I have like a strategy that lets me shoot a guy when they, they pop out a reserve. You're not going to kill those 10 aberrants. They're so tough. Five mm-hmm. up, feel no pain, minus one damage, two wounds apiece. They'll just shrug off a lot of firepower. You might kill one or two of them, but the other eight will still cream you. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, the- j- Oh, go ahead, Sean. Oh, sorry. Just the one thing that I do, I look at this list and I, I haven't, I didn't get to talk to the the dude who was running it at Cherry Hammer a lot about it because we were all really busy there. Um, I worry about the Castellan with this thing. Yeah. Um, the Castellan is going to vape two of those vultures pretty easily uh-huh. and all those bodies are just going to tangle up the, the aberrants. So I look at this and I'm like, well, how does it beat the Castellan list? And I don't know if it does. And I would, I would be really worried bringing a, a, a list to an event that doesn't have a way to beat the Castellan list. I absolutely agree. What I like about this and what you would have to play to with this list is that it has a lot of teeth. The teeth is diversified, so it's true. Yes, the Castellan will drop shit that's really important, but you've got neophytes, you've got rippers, you've got really unimportant things that yeah. if you're being smart, they should be scoring all your secondary, they're sitting on objectives. And then a lot of your teeth is fairly durable. So mm-hmm. you've got the aberrants in their face, you've got an abominant mixed in there somewhere, you've got the three flyers, Swarm Lord oftentimes gets ignored, or if he does get shot at, sometimes it's not the easiest target to kill, or one gun kills him. It feels like well, it's either or. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there, it can go absolutely boobs up and be the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. But I do feel like, and, and this is so important for me as a list builder, it feels like you don't go to the table and go, ah, oh, shit, Castellan, I lose. You yeah. have, okay, it's like, this is not a good scenario, but I have my game plan and it's not singular either. I have choices. It's true. Well, what I love about this list is is the pressure it puts on your opponents. It makes it a lot easier to beat those players who maybe don't have the knowledge and know-how that yeah. you would have that a top player would have, right? So if, if I were playing this list against a Castellanist, I might just put out my Swarmlord front and center and kind of make a show of him and say, hey, look at this Swarmlord. He's especially mm. on Hammer and Anvil. You know, shoot at the Swarmlord. The Castellan might not kill him. He, he does have an invuln save, I think. Oh, yeah. uh, and then, <laughs> you know, just w- when the Castellan shoots him and probably kills the Swarmlord, you've got two turns of shooting with the vultures if you went first or one turn of shooting with the vultures if you went second and then your the matchup is looking pretty good yeah because um, you really don't need the swarm lord in that matchup he's cool he's helpful you, but you want him to sling those gene stealers forward but once they're in there you don't need them anymore it's true and like yeah it's really easy to forget like a, a mediocre player with a castellan list is probably not going to beat this because there's so many things you can do to prevent them from being just being allowed to hurt your important threats. Yep. If you're just wrapping guardsmen up all game long, you don't care about the castellan. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> uh, so one quick question to Jeff about Gene Sealer Colt, and then we'll move on. I promise. Acolyte hybrids. I got absolutely destroyed by them by a 15 unit with the chainsaw things. Why yeah. are we seeing oh, more yeah. of them? Um, so I, I feel comfortable saying this because we're the the moment of ascension is almost upon us, brothers. Uh, <laughs> in the index, they're very very good, but they're very expensive for a tough three model with a five up save. Yeah. In the codex, the forum emperor blessed us with the knowledge and wherewithal to recognize that while these are an important part of our overall plan to take out the 
Corpse Emperor himself, uh, they're probably a bit overpriced. So when the Codex launches, may we all rejoice in knowing that they are far and away cheaper. That's cool. Because, nice. yeah, like a full unit of those guys with maximum saws is like three or four hundred points or something. It's it's, it's crazy stupid. They're 11 points in the index right now. And it's, yeah. They are great, but they're tough three, five up save. Yep. Uh, and yes, if they make that charge, they decimate whatever it is they're going into. But there's all kinds of silly issues like, do you have them against Tau? Yeah. Then what charge are they making? Uh, yeah. Did they make their charge? Cool. Did they not make their charge? Well, then those ten, those five space brains will obliterate the unit in shooting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, so I'm really thanks. looking forward to the the new book. I think it is going to be from everything I've heard about it, and I don't know nearly as much as Jeff does, obviously, but just the stuff they've shown so far is very promising. Oh my god, it's so good. All right, so let's go on to this final. This is going to be the final list we talk about. We do have one more list after this, um, but we're we're coming a little short on time. Uh, and I know Space Ring players want to hear something about their faction. We haven't talked anything about them. Um, so here's a, a list that I think has a good shot at making the top eight, and it's a very unique list. It's um, very interesting, yeah. So so we have a Watch Captain with a Jump Pack and a Death Watch Battalion uh, with a Librarian. Um Three units of veterans with six Stormbolter veterans, two uh, one Vanguard veteran, and one Terminator. Oh, and one bike. So he's two, got the, two the trifecta. And bike, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Two term. Well, one has two of them have one Terminator. One has two Terminators. Uh, yeah. And five veterans instead of six veterans. Uh, and then a a Bloody Row Order of the Bloody Rose Adeptus Aurora's Battalion uh, mm-hmm. with Celestine, two Cannonesses. Three battle sister squads, bare bones, no storm bolters, and three ten sister seraphim squads with hand flamers, uh, mm-hmm. no inferno pistols, uh, and then finally one <laughs> auxiliary support detachment of dark angels, deathwing knights, with a yeah. nightmaster, the flail of unforgiven storm shields, uh, and then I imagine maces and you know yeah, it's storm just ten ten guys with their basic equipment, right and. Uh, so, so this is a very, very strange list, and normally I would say that this list is kind of, kind of not bad an eye towards it. But considering the player, and if you watch the CanCon coverage, Jeremy Mar- Jeremy Martino did an amazing job with a similar list. He had guard instead of sisters, uh, but his list, I'd, I'd say, had the bodies, but didn't have the durability that this list brings to the table uh, with the Deathwing Knights. And sisters are a little more durable than guardsmen as well. Um, so it, it, those Death Watch veteran squads are crazy they're really really yeah. hard well, to kill uh, good i was gonna say one thing that's really easy to miss about this uh list the uh the sororitas are bloody rose so like they're swinging at strength four or strength eight on the the eviscerators they got but they're all that's also where the warlord is and you've got celestine no model in this list has worse than a four up in vuln <laughs> wow yeah, this yeah. is a Castellan's worst nightmare, or even just a night player in general, because it will shrug so much damage. It is virtually impossible to push those high AP wounds through. And then it hits an Oracleus, and they put 150 attacks into a unit. It's and true, but on the other hand, round. like it's got the Deathwing Knights, it's got the Seraphim, it's got the the veterans. Like the Death Watch veterans will really chew up orcs. Yeah. Um, yeah, not to say it's a great matchup for them, but it certainly has the tools to handle orcs. Yeah, you, that really matchup matchup really comes down to can the Ludas delete two units of veterans before the orcs horde gets there. Um, yeah, it's kind of that matchup there. But no, it's it's a very it's a very very interesting Death Watch list, and then 
judging uh this performance at the this list performance at the LVO and Jeremy Martino's performance at the LVO, you Space Marine players might just want to start ripping off bolters and throwing storm <laughs> bolters on your guys and painting them black. Uh, because I think Death Watch are actually going to look very good going into the 2019 season. And nothing Absolutely. annoys a Death Watch player more than telling them that they might have the top Space Marine build. <laughs> no longer their no! snowflake. Leave us alone! They're going to show up at Legion of the Dam next, I promise you. <laughs> uh, all two of them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let, let's talk about some of this uh, faction data that we have here. Uh, we're not going to spend as much time talking about this, uh, but what I really want to do is uh, I really want to talk about the Vigilist Defiant Detachments in particular, uh, because <laughs> Jeff Jeff made a statement about the Vigilist Defiant book uh, and how it was going to fly under the radar and then soar way above the skies and absolutely <laughs> sounds like something I would say go on everyone's yeah go on everyone's radar. Uh, so Jeff, there are Less visualist defined detachments than I expected, but still a lot. Hmm. So there's 142 total lists with visualist defined detachments in them, um, which is about a sixth uh, or uh, about a fifth it's... of the of the field. That, um, I think that's not quite correct. There are 162 detachments of vigilists. Oh, uh, Some of them do include more than one, although that isn't oh, super I see. common. So there's 142 detachments. Uh, the most common by far is the Emperor's Wrath, mm-hmm. uh, which yep. is 42 detachments. Uh, so Jeff, do you, is this kind of what you expected, or did you kind of expect people to bring a lot more? Uh, I mean, that sounds about right. It's, it is... This is like a, a upper tier thing, right? Like, if I'm if I'm kind of a casual player that just plays a local shop, maybe I don't own the Vigilist book, and maybe I don't incorporate that into my list um but it, this is about right and i think those players that are taking it uh that that like took a guard list that did not do vigilus i bet you could interview them and a lot of them wouldn't know or they don't have any artillery at all on their list yeah i'm a little bit surprised that the because the emperor's wrath has 42 instances and the conclave only has 10 i was actually expecting it the other way around um hmm. not to say the emperor's wrath isn't good but it requires a little bit more investment in terms of like taking units you otherwise wouldn't take so i am a little bit surprised but that those tools to double shoot and control the movement of the enemy army are really really big yeah and the relics and whirler trait like if you want to spend the two extra um command points to get the relic and whirler trait Mm -hmm. the plus one ap on a six not the biggest of deals but again if it's on a wyvern where you're you're trying to kill infantry it just makes it that much better but the ignore cover yeah. It's not super, super amazing and super sexy, but if you're running a brigade, those couple of points, and then you have Grand Strategist and Karav's Quill mm-hmm. probably anyways, it disappears in terms of the points uh, against your list, and it, it changes things a lot. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, I think I have to disagree with you, Sean. I think the Emperor's Wrath is is super splashable. Uh, as as a player who, who recently discovered it running three knights, uh, all I had to do was add a Wyvern, which is just a smidge north of 100 points, uh, and spend one CP to have that Wyvern become two Wyverns or a Thunderfire Cannon. Well, it's two uh, to shoot. Just, oh, you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah like it gets to shoot twice. So, yeah, so it, it's two Wyverns, quote unquote. Uh, and it's it's not a whole lot more that I, I added. And I was already throwing in mortars into the Astromil term detachment anyways. That kind of loyal 32 yeah. plus detachment that a lot of people were bringing. Um, so right. I think it's, it's very splashful. Whereas the Emperor's uh, Conclave... Wait, so so the Emperor's Fist is the is that the body one or is the That's conclave? The tanks. One? Uh, yeah, so yeah, Fist is Lehman Russ's, Conclave his fist is, is tanks, bodies. Remember that. Yeah, yeah Fist yeah. tanks, Conclave dudes. Got it. Um yeah. the Conclave 
feels like I would w- I need to invest a lot more into it, like a brigade, to take a full advantage of, of all of those bodies. Now, I might be wrong. Uh, I, have, no, I haven't played I, as I, much I, with I don't think you are, like... I think that is very much the case. Um, the, I guess the way I was thinking at it, and admittedly this is a little bit of a biased, um, <laughs> was that you're already taking the the standard Kadashin Brigade. You spend one command point, you don't change a single model in it, and now you're a Conclave and you're twice as good against Orcs. Yes. Um, I think what's but, interesting is the yeah. shift in the year from – it used to be Cadian was everything. Yeah. And I'm putting on the spot a little bit. But I'm. I'd be interested to see how vastly it's gone in the direction of Catachan, which I do think is the the better answer. But it's just funny because there were some trendsetters that were like, no, 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 the strength four and mass bodies is really good. And even then, the reroll the number of shots is actually like strangely because I've been running Catachan myself uh-huh. uh, as a guy that used to only run Cadian. So my Catachan looked like Cadian dudes, which I'm sure annoys <laughs> a lot of people. Um, but it, I, I prefer Catachan by a lot. I just get more shots out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I actually talked about this a bunch with some guys recently. It nothing changed about either of those regiments, but the popularity of them drastically shifted. Yeah. Although looking at the numbers here, they're actually about even. There are seventy one Kadishan and sixty six Cadian. Although mm-hmm. I think if you actually looked at what those players are and where they place at the end of the event, yep. uh, the Kadishan players are going to be way more towards the top end, yep. whereas the Kadians are kind of going to be more of the mid-tier bottom Because Kadian was the standard. And I th- I, that's yeah. I, that's kind of fun about Warhammer too, because it's just people who, like, they don't listen to podcasts, they don't watch tournaments, mm-hmm. uh, they've seen the sum of the stuff on, like, Bell of Lost Souls or whatever, but it's, it's fun watching the process of information kind of go through the scene. Yeah, people are just yeah. starting to sell their flyers. And I'm not even joking. If you go to <laughs> no. the frontline gaming, or I run the frontline gaming secondhand shop, yeah. and I've had three or four people sell me a total of thirty flyers, and it's like wow. they just they just got it. They've been yeah. trying to run them all year, and they're like, "Oh, I can't bring this many flyers anymore." Yep. <laughs> and so yeah, that is funny, though. It's true. Uh, so moving on to the number of detachments and kind of what you guys are going to expect to see. Uh, by far. The highest percentage of detachments and lists is Astro Militarum and Imperial Knights. Uh, there yeah. are the percentage of lists that have an Astro Militarum detachment is twenty five percent. So Holy a quarter cow. of the field is going to have an Astro Militarum detachment in the list, um, mm-hmm. which, when you average it with Imperial Knights percentage, means roughly one in every three game or one in every five games you're going to play is going to be Astro Militarum and Knights combined. Uh, yeah. So you're playing a Castle list is is what I'm trying to tell you. Unless you're very balancing guard, but yeah, you're mostly right. It's Castellan. Yeah, yeah. Castellan's going to show up a lot. Although the Crusader has gained a lot of popularity least recently because it's much cheaper CP wise to run. Yeah, yeah. And that does make me a little weary for for orcs. Um, but moving on to the second most popular kind of faction combination is going to be uh, Craftworld Eldar and Dark Eldar and, and some sort of mix of those two. Uh, you're going to mm-hmm. see, in my opinion, I, I think you're going to see more pure Dark Eldar lists, uh, just because that, that yeah. codex is so much more complete. Uh, if by and, pure you mean farce, you're popping in there. Yeah. Y- yeah, I, I mean pure I mean pure like like, like the, the Indian casino pure where <laughs> you're like 70% pure is good enough to get like $1,000 a week. I'll tell so, you what, yeah. you went to a place that I cannot follow, but I understand what you're saying. Well, but it is worth pointing out, there are a fair number of very talented Eldar players who are bringing pure Dark Eldar, like actually pure, only Dark Eldar, nothing else, because they can make such good use of their detachments. They have so many great options in that codex. Yeah, but Sean Farseer. 
I know. The the right answer is to bring in a detachment with a Farseer and two Warlocks, and probably it's Eldar, it's Eldrad, not a Farseer, because that adds so much mileage to your yeah. game right there. But you will see people who are very stubborn and refuse to accept it, uh, and are just going to bring three detachments to Dark Eldar and do very, very well with it. And I yeah. don't like it. If, you, if you're taking pure Dark Eldar and not Eldar, I think there's some weird you know, sexual math going on there where you're like, I, he's not, they're not into kinky stuff, so I don't take him. And I think that's, <laughs> it's unfortunate. So, uh, yeah. And the trend has been uh, through the, out the season, the trend has been pure dark Eldar lists or, or, or mostly pure dark Eldar lists uh, versus craft worlds are being, uh, you know, the kind of whores of the Eldar detachments. So to speak, and they're, they're going <laughs> to kind of put into every, sprinkled into every list, even the Harlequin list. Yeah. I, Bob, I, I you've upset the native Americans. Now you're upsetting the sex trade. I mean, let's, yeah, let's. So let's, let's, let's go. Do you, do you have something to say about uh, some other minorities that yeah. you'd like to call Jeez out, Pablo? <laughs> uh, I so, will point out that the third most common detachment type is Eldar, uh, Craft Worlds. They're everywhere because it's yes. so easy to splash in, and it's so good. So second yeah. most is Dark Eldar, and, and third. No, most no, is... it's uh, number one and two are uh, Astro Military oh, Knights, okay, okay. and number three is Eldar, who outnumber Dark Eldar in detachments, but not in primary lists. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's more Dark Eldar primary lists, and they have an equal number of secondary detachments in 90. Uh, and after that comes the third most popular uh, army combination, Thousand Suns and Chaos Demons. Uh, I don't think you'll see huh. as many Thousand Suns. Yeah, so so huh. there's there's Astro Military and Imperial Knights are number one and number two. Uh, yeah. Number three and number four are Craftworld and Dark Eldar. And five and six are Thousand Suns and Chaos Demons. Oh, uh, okay. The the interesting thing here is is Thousand Suns lists are going to have are going to be a lot more interesting and in that they're probably going to be oh, mostly pure Thousand Suns with a splash of Chaos Demons. However, the Chaos Demons, especially the seventy or the um, oh, there's only, I guess there's only twenty Chaos Demon primary detachments. Yeah, uh, they're almost all secondary detachments. Uh, those lists are going to be a lot more varied. Um, either way, if you see Chaos across your table, you're probably going to run into Horde and Psychic Powers. Um, yeah, especially if you see more than pl- more plague bearers than you can count. <laughs> yep. Also, it, be ready for a lot of orcs because orcs are not that far behind some of the others in terms of primary detachments. No, they make up eight percent of the of the lists. Um, orc yeah. detachments do, and those are all those are all pure orcs. Uh, there are no demons, Eldar, or Space Marines in those orc lists. It is just orcs. Well, they can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Also, a surprisingly large percentage of Yanari, uh, which I think we can blame on this being the most competitive event of the the 40k season, arguably. Mm -hmm. Um, They are almost 7% of the field, which is shockingly large. This is their last hurrah, by the way. I'll just come out and tell you right now. Yeah, I don't think anyone is shocked by that. Uh, And then after that, uh, you're you're joined by three lists that I'm actually kind of shocked to see so close to each other in in percentage wise uh mm-hmm. you have tau and cult mechanicus who are identical uh there are 43 tau yeah. lists and 43 lists that have cult mechanicus in them although i imagine the cult mechanicus lists have are, are more soupy or obviously they're gonna yeah. be more soupy because you know tau uh, but there's 6.54 percent chance of running into tau or cult mechanicus mm-hmm. uh and then tyranids are coming right underneath that with blood angels as well um all four of those armies that I talked about are hovering at 6% or more percentage of being seen. 
Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of interesting. I kind of expected a lot more Tau and a lot less mm. Admech and a lot more Tyranids, to be honest. I'm definitely surprised by the Admech, although the uh, the Rusty 17 oh boy. dropping the down in price so much. 17. Yeah, that's Rusty or <laughs> Mechanical 17 is what I've heard them called. They make a great complement to Knights, and honestly, they're they're great for a lot of armies. Um, <laughs> they have really, really good troop and HQ options, which make them a fantastic battalion addition to something else. And if you want to splurge a little more points, you can bring those Cataphron Destroyers or whatnot and get a pretty hard-hitting unit for less points than you're probably expecting. Yep. Uh, and then, so there, of course, there's a, from their point on, there's there's a lot smaller things. You, you obviously pretty much see every faction represented. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing I, I would like to highlight: if you are running into a Death Watch player, a, a Gene Stealer Cult player, or a Harlequins player, they're low, low. They have low representation. However. Those three factions have the highest concentration of really, really good players. Uh, yeah. So if you see any of those factions and a list across from you, um, you know those players are really good. There is a chance that you might get the one pure Death Watch player, the one Harlequin player, or the one pure Gene Stickroll player that's just there to have a good time. Uh, but for the most part, I, I would be more terrified of those lists. And if you combine those three lists together, you do have a 1 in 10 chance of running into a really, really good player, especially if you're 4-0 or 5-0 uh, yeah. going into the Las Vegas Open. Cool. So just bear that in mind. I think those those are, um, deta- are armies that you should definitely be familiar with as well if you plan to do well. Yeah, 100% read up on your Death Watch because if you run into one, you're going to be shocked with some of the shenanigans they can pull. Yep. All right, finally, let's talk about the units. The three most common units that Peter pulled up, uh, which are not including infantry squads, uh, rangers, fire warriors, kind of the most common obvious units, uh, grotesques, dark reapers, and shining spears are, mm-hmm. are the three most common units, uh, or model account, I guess. Wow, really? Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. No surprise there. No, I'm not actually being facetious. That's Oh. Well, it's well, outside of troops, I believe, is the, what the, this unit count is. I'm not saying wow because it surprised me because they're not good. I'm just saying wow that it basically got broadcast to that many people. Yeah. Like, grotesques are not very intuitive as very good, but they've become popular since, I would say, Nova of last year. Mm. Yeah, that's really where they've kind of skyrocketed. You saw some of the like people experimenting with grotesques and some of the other stuff, and like everyone recognized that Prophets of Flesh were good, but I think people are really like realizing like, oh, a, a big block of grotesques is like impossible to get rid of, handles a ton of things, and is not that much of an investment. Yeah. Uh, um, some yeah. A uh, good. I was just gonna say, Shining Spears. And Dark Reapers, like, everyone knows how good they are. That The, the numbers of them kind of correlate to the fact that, like, yeah, there's a lot of Yanari players this time around, and every one of them takes Shining Spears and Dark Reapers. Um, so that is not a shock in that sense. The only real shock is how many Yanari players there are. Uh, so, uh, with some interesting notes, um, for Imperial Knights, for that faction, Helverins are were the most popular models being represented. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is actually not hasn't been the case if you've been keeping along with our stats. It's almost always been Gallants or Castellans uh, or even Crusaders have always taken the tops there. So a lot more Helverins have been being taken and a lot more Helverins are being taken to the LVO, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. And then after that, of course, you have your normal 55 House Raven Castellans just 
Par for par for the course. Only fifty five yeah. though. I mean, uh, out but twenty two more. So, yeah. Twenty two more non Raven ones. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. 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 And, literally uh, seventy seven out of like six hundred players. But yeah, that's okay. There's also seventy seven gallants to back them up. Yeah. There's there's <laughs> less there's less lists with gallants in them because I imagine most of the gallant lists won't just have a single gallant. Uh, yeah, whereas the Castellan lists, I. I I would imagine there's 76 lists that have a Castellan because maybe one person brought double Castellans. I think I saw one triple Castellan list. Oh no! Which <laughs> like that that man is betting big. It was it was triple Castellan and then the loyal 32. Yep. Uh, which is just like wow, all in on the plan, huh? Uh, and then uh, one thing Peter wrote down here in the notes is that a Blood Angel Smash Cappins have um, there were 70 plus at Nova. Uh, and they have been falling dramatically in popularity, but at the LVO, mm. they still show up 60 times, uh, w- which is actually more yeah. than I thought. That you know they've been hovering around a four or five percent usage, which which is actually really low considering where they were, you know, at Nova. Uh, but uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to see Blood Angel Smash Captains making a little bit of a comeback in the Las Vegas Open. Do you guys think it's it's people falling behind with the times, or do you think there's maybe some um, secret sauce there? I, I think the secret is the terrain at LVO. Yep. Um, lots mm-hmm. more blocking terrain, magic boxes on some of the tables that really benefits that Smash Captain. That guy is a holy terror when he can hide. And your answer to a night. Yes. Yeah. Um, if they for take all those the three plus plus were... or whatever, sure. Oh, yeah. If I can get this on top of him, I can reduce it. Yep, yep. Because it's like, ooh, a Knight Castellan, huh? Well, I'm going to clear the Guardsman out, and then I'm going to kill your Knight Castellan. Yeah. Now, uh, if you're wondering about the Loyal 32, which is obviously a keyword we've been throwing around a lot, and has been thrown around a lot, uh, the the Loyal 32 has only shown up in 36 lists, which is very, very low. And Pete took some liberty with the Loyal 32. Uh, he counted variants with Primaris Psychers in them, with a Wyvern or two Wyverns in them, or with X amount of Mortars. Uh, basically, the Loyal 32, as Peter defined it, was a minimal guard points battalion detachment, um, usually Valhallen or Katachan, um, though, of course, he probably took Cadians and others as well, uh, basically mm-hmm. with the intent to give you five command points and a little extra bodies and stuff. Makes sense. Yeah. You don't need as much. Um, the Space Marine lists are more robust, and the Guard lists have more weapons at their disposal. Like, the value at the LVO in particular of having artillery, not just having lame mortars or something like that, is through the roof. Mm-hmm. And then the list that would want that those command points real bad, it's like custodies. Yeah. And knights, right? And the, even the knights, they made it so that if you have three big boys, you're getting six command points for that. Yeah. It's pretty good. And and there's also, um, with the price reduction on Adeptus Mechanicus and the appearance of sisters, you have several other good options for getting cheap command points that are yeah. still bringing a lot to the table. Uh, so the Loyal 32 aren't dead, they just have competition now. Yeah. Uh, Yarick uh, was a kind of point of contention, or, or not a point of contention, but kind of a name thrown around um, randomly uh, because of orcs becoming more popular. Uh, Yarick is still not very common. Uh, he's only seen in 23 lists and in none of the top guard lists as well. It's it's He's pretty yeah. much just relegated to, to the guard players that run pure guard. Uh, those are the Cadian players, if you're wondering. <laughs> I hope uh, not. I really hope not. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly surprised by that. I think 
Yarick is good. Brandon Grant, some of the other guys don't seem to favor him, which I'm very surprised by. I'd love to talk to them some more about it at the tournament, maybe. But like with as popular as orcs are, I just I can't believe more people aren't taking Yarick. I would venture a guess with the percentage you just listed. I think everyone knew that orcs were going to be popular, but when you say they're 8% of the field, that's yeah. very popular. I didn't. Yeah. I, I was not anticipating that either. So it's I would huge. guess after LBO, you'll see a lot more. That's yeah. very possible. But yeah. like, you know, it's, it's really those top players. It's like your, your Brandon Grants, your Mitch Pelham, stuff like that. It's like even those guys aren't bringing Yark to the table yeah, but they're a lot doing, of the time. They're doing top player math, like the top orc players that are there, right? It's not that many. Yeah, Nick that's fair. And a couple others. Because, yeah, like, if, especially for the people who are at the top end, you're you're building your list to beat the top end players, and then you're just sort of going to l- rely on skill to beat everyone else. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so the most popular named character, if you haven't looked at the sheet yet, actually, I don't think you have these notes. Uh, if you had to guess, what was the most popular named character, both of you? Gilliman. I already looked at it, so it's kind of cheating for me, but this actually would have been my guess anyways. Ariman. Uh, it, it, yeah. is, it is Ariman. He is in 56 of the 63,000 Suns detachments, uh, and by far the most popular named character. Uh, mm-hmm. I, for one, am not surprised. Ariman has been around since the inception of 7th edition in lists. Since Tell me Chaos Space how Marine many Trajans. Look it up. I don't have let's see, let's see. that. I don't Peter think. Gave us Trajan. Trajan. These are my fanboys. Whoever's listening, and you took Trajan. You're welcome. There, there is he, not. There. There are. There are Trajans. I, I know that for a fact. When I was going through the list, fuck yeah, there. Are. Uh, there. There were maybe, maybe ten. I would say. I, there were enough to say like, oh hey, they're, they're a thing. All right. Yeah, he's definitely out there. My residual check is just twenty percent of your winnings, <laughs> <laughs> which is to say zero dollars for most of those guys. Uh, you know what, Sean? But, but, not, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But bonus points if you can do well at Delvio and not topple Jeff off best custodians player. <laughs> Ooh, oh, yeah. I would pay for that it's for a, sure. I'd love to a, take home a trophy. <laughs> so, right? uh, uh, the Primarchs have been um, they're whittling in popularity. Uh, there, there's um. Out of all the Ultramarines, so there were 13 Gilmans, um, and out of all of the Ultramarines, only four did not run him. Uh, three mm-hmm. brought Calgar and said, and according to Pete, one player is a, quote, lunatic. We're not bringing <laughs> Calgar or Gilman. Well, he's not wrong. Yeah, well, you know, I, I guess that guy's just there for fun. Uh, <laughs> and then um, there were, let me, oh, I accidentally clicked here. Uh, there were... Sorry, some technical technical difficulties. I was going to say, uh, are you Morty Bash Magnus? Lists. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's... there's seven Bash Brothers, but there's 16 each of Morty and Magnus, which means there is nine guys running each of them by themselves, which I find kind of interesting. Yeah, sure. I, I, people definitely moved away from the Bash Brothers list. Um, uh, you know, it's just it's not a very good list anymore. I think uh, it's, it's a good list. It's not top tier. Yeah, the Castellan yeah. or like double shooting Dark Reapers or that kind of nonsense. It's it's still a solid list, but it's not top tier anymore. Yeah, uh, and then uh, Blightlord Terminators are are yeah. making a comeback uh, with thirteen lists bringing them, uh, and al- in almost all cases, running a full squad of ten Terminators. Wow! Uh, and then of course, Plague Burst Crawlers are as popular as always. Uh, yeah, thirteen lists bringing Blightlord Terminators. Um, I know that doesn't sound like a lot. That's definitely not Castellan levels. Uh, but considering where Terminators were, you know, six, eight months ago, 
um, that's a pretty pretty solid showing. It's also uh, you know sort of worth just sort of noting that of those thirteen lists, there's only fifty six Death Guard players, so almost a quarter of the Death Guard players are bringing a full block of Terminators. Very cool. Which I blame entirely on Don Huson. Yeah, but we yeah. shouldn't say that because. I mean, I blame really credits. Uh... Uh, and then that, that's pretty much it. Was there anything that you guys saw uh, in in the stats that kind of jumped out to you? Um, I think we've covered most of the stuff that I think was really surprising on things. There was there was some little stuff, uh, but really. Uh, I just, I want to call out to the one Corsair player and the one Dark Mechanicus player who are there to just get their faces beat in. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. Them. <laughs> uh, so, well, going into this, the LVO and, and into this meta analysis, um, there were clearly some expectations. Uh, do you think that your expectations were met? Um, or, or do you think that this was kind of a meta that you completely unexpected? Most of it is kind of in line with what we've been seeing. There's definitely some surprises in there, um, some stuff that I might not have expected, but for the large part, the broad strokes of it are were pretty clear well before this. Everyone knew orcs were good, everyone knew guard was good, everyone knew knights would still be popular. Um, so none of that is really shocking. Yeah. All right, and then final question for Jeff before we conclude the episode. Jeff, I'm really sad you can't make it, but if you could tomorrow decide to clone yourself mm -hmm. and have one Jeff on stream and one Jeff play in the LVO and you had to submit your list in one hour, what would you build after seeing all of this data? Um, well, I mean, it's unfortunately a little bit more of a boring answer for me because I have won Best Heritage, Best Agents of Imperium, and, and I've won a few awards at the LVO, so I'd, I'd, I'm going into this and I'm one custodians, and I'd want to take that, so I would take... I guess the interesting element of this would be um, custodial lists have changed a lot. Uh, there's, mm -hmm. I, I think you take a lot less bikes, ideally, but I guess one of the guys that's Shane Watts or something like that is taking 12 bikes, which is still a yeah. lot, um, but but even that, you'll notice, like people were going from 18, and now his is a lot at 12, right? Because... They're just, they lost a lot of utility by losing fly in the assault phase, um, like everybody else. Right. Yeah. So I'd take something custodies. It'd be a lot of infantry. Trajan would be in there because I can't take a list without him. Um, unfortunately, I think the beta rules are not live for LVO, so I can't take my Orion gunship. No. But tonight I'm playing a <laughs> game with it and a Teleman, and I've got three custody guard guys that have Melta Spears. Life is fucking good, man. Are those Melta Spears? <laughs> any good i was looking at them and it's just I, a spear and then it's a melt gun for eight points more okay that's not terrible not terrible yeah. it's i mean what? it gives them some it gives them some shooting they otherwise are they hit on missing. twos yeah they're really yeah they're super accurate it's a melt spear at range 12 for eight more points and that's what we struggle with is like is that a knight over there son of a i guess we gotta go yeah chop it at the knees <laughs> would would you still want to run the uh the Alaris custodians the terminator dudes um so there's some people experimenting with them and they have really cool stratagems like turning off overwatch and minus one to hit they can target characters they put out a lot of daca they're mm -hmm. good uh, i think what you're asking is like compared to the firepike fellers yeah um 
the range 12 flamer on them for a similar cost yeah. and then the better close combat is a hard thing to get away from that's yeah, yeah. strength 6 ap1 flamer with range 12 inches like yeah people don't quite realize what that's going to do to them yet but i think it's they'll learn that it's fun after lbo with these better beta rules live like the flyer at 444 points is what I'm so looking good. at right now. It's really good. The Orion and... gunship. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Well, Jeff, you have fun playing with your Orion yeah. gunship. And I'm sure if you if someone wanted to catch that, would that be on your stream? No, I'm not streaming it tonight, but soon I will be. We're going to get the table wired up and ready to go. Right awesome. on. Uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. This has been the conclusion. Don't worry. I will show you guys or i will tell you guys how to win that awesome sanguinous model and after some thought if you want a, another primark if you really don't want that exclusive las vegas open sanguinous model perfectly fine i'll buy you another primark whichever one you want just keep in <laughs> mind that it might take a little longer to ship to you because i will have to order it from forge world anyways if you want to watch the las vegas open coverage if you want to follow along with anything we've talked about go to frontlinegaming.org or go to Frontline Gaming on Facebook, or go to twitch.tv slash Frontline Gaming. Twitch.com slash Frontline Gaming TV. There you go. Uh, or if you're going to the Las Vegas Open, don't be a stranger. Come say hi to us. Uh, Sean, you will be able to pick out from miles away. Who's that beautiful voice? Uh, Jeff will be gleaming and gold and magnificent. You can't miss him. Uh, and you might see the rhino charging along, busy as ever. Uh, but if you see us or any of the other co-hosts, um, Feel free to come say hi. Um, uh, you know, I actually don't want to speak for Jeff and Sean. Do you guys I have a couple I mean, things to say, Pablo. We can sign no. off on our own. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, come, come say hi to me for sure. I will be at the Las Vegas Open. Uh, I will have time to chat for a little while, uh, within reason, about any of the stuff you guys want to talk about. Or if you do, if you're not going to Las Vegas Open, you can always email me, frontlinegamingpdpob at gmail.com. If you have any questions about following along with the LVO coverage or any of the stuff we talked about. Email me. Also, next episode, next official episode will be the Patreon will be going live. Uh, it's going to be great. I'm going to have a Facebook. I'm going to have a Discord. Uh, I'm going to have giveaways, updated tiers, a cool banner uh, that Goat Boy is working on for us. So oh, it, nice. Very much, it's going to be a real Patreon. It's going to be a thing. Uh, I I'm really excited to bring a community around tournament coverage, which is kind of what I settled on. Uh, so it'll be all around, all built around getting the best lists and talking about what people are bringing to tournaments and what tournaments are coming up uh, to create kind of a, an unofficial tournament circuit of sorts. Uh, so if you're really interested in that, sign up for Patreon after the Las Vegas Open in February, or you can sign up now. It, it's still kind of in beta mode, uh, so you won't get all the benefits yet, but come February, I will get everything going. It's going to be awesome. Also, Sounds good. Are you reading War and Peace or are you signing off? What the hell? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One final thing. If you want to win that Sanguinous model, all you have to do is sign up for Patreon. All you have to do is sign up for the standard patron tier, which is $5 for that month. And I will be raffling off something every month if you sign up for patron, Patreon. So to all of my patrons, this is a kind of thank you for benefiting the podcast. I will be raffling something off every month. And that's just going to be something going on in the future no matter what okay jeff <laughs> you've been waiting patiently yeah i'll keep mine to one one hundredth of what that was uh cool. all i want to say is that the gene Star cult is up for pre-order next week and your boy jeff here is going to get save you some time and money buy two at least of the keller morph boxes 
They're incredible. <laughs> They're really good. You're going to want to. And then buy a whole bunch of aberrants. Do not buy more than probably one or two abominants. <laughs> and then you're good. Not going to go with four? You don't think they'll no. need those? <laughs> you don't need four for sure. <laughs> now, the Kelomorph is super, super awesome, and I obviously can't discuss a whole lot of the rules, but the idea behind him is he shows up and shoots shit to shit. So if you buy three of them, that's pretty cool, but the likelihood of one of them walking across the field and it's yeah, high noon, it's, it's a lot less likely. So just buy three. Yeah. And just for my little part, uh, like Pablo, I love talking to folks at tournaments. So if I'm not in the middle of the game, feel free to wander over and chat me up. If I'm in a game, say hi. I don't, I, I'm happy to meet people, but uh, I will probably be very busy. Right on. Don't forget to go to frontlinegaming.org and buy stuff or check out Jeff on Control TV or check out Sean on In the Finest Hour. Thank you very much for listening. You guys are the best. Have a good one.